This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How's it going? I'm ready to tell some Nazi punks to fuck off. Dude, what a weird movie. First time watch for both of us, I should mention. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know you haven't seen this either. No, what I do is I creep Amazon and I type <laughs> in horror DVD or horror Blu-ray, and I'm like a stock trader. I see when things are going <laughs> up and down and when they go, and this dropped super low and I picked it up. I just never watched it yet. Oh, very nice. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a first time watch for me, and I didn't know what to really expect going into it. I knew the general idea: punk band gets trapped at like skinhead club, and that was about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, basically all I knew as well. Also, that Patrick Stewart and Anton Yelnich, yes, yes, who I enjoyed as an actor so much, and he tragically died randomly, like of a freak accident, like in 2016, I believe. Yeah, he's in the Fright Night remake, isn't he? Yeah, he's in that. Okay. He's in Charlie Bartlett. I love him in Charlie Bartlett. Oh, Charlie Bartlett's great. I love um, him. He's the new, um, fuck, I think it's Chekhov in the new Star Trek movies. Let me check real quick, because if not, yes, he is Chekhov. I am correct. Dude, and you're the Star Trek guy. Well, I'm just nervous because I've, this is like, I was prepared to go into like, oh, it's so much Star Trek in this. But Patrick Stewart kind of like, yes, he's in it, but he is 100% not Picard. He's not even the movie Picard, who's like an action star and like guns a blazing. That's what I was expecting. No, he's this, like, cold, calculated, almost general-type figure. Like, military commander-seeming. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, he wants this huge, big army, but this is what he's stuck with, is a bunch of rednecks in the woods. <laughs> I I thought you'd be excited, and I kind of was at the prospect, too, because there's some actors who I really like who just don't really do horror, you know what I mean? Right. So I was excited at the idea of doing, just getting Patrick Stewart movie on Throbbing with Horror. I thought you would enjoy that, too. Oh yeah, I enjoyed it, and I also like that they didn't overuse him. They use him quite a bit, but I kind of like how he is. So I read this thing, it was an interview with him about Green Room, and apparently he was reading the script when he was offered it at home, and it frightened him so much that he had to stop in the middle and go and lock all of his doors and windows and make sure everything was <laughs> locked up. I can see him, like, sipping his Earl Grey tea and being like, good heavens, and being like, <laughs> and securing himself. Yeah, so he, I think he was definitely intrigued with the part. And he grabs, like, a fake phaser from the show, just in case. <laughs> like, Michael Dorn shows up for no reason. He's like, I am not Worf. I am a real person. It's like, shut up, Worf! <laughs> So this movie's interesting for us, too, because it's I definitely categorize it as horror, as I've seen many other horror channels and podcasts yeah. cover it. But it's definitely that real-life style where I'm like, oh, no. Well, it's a horror-thriller type. I, I would almost see this as, like, Signs of the Lambs, of yeah, horrific exactly. things are happening in, like, the real world. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, if I would have seen this movie five or six years ago, it would have been way more terrifying to me. Oh, especially what you were doing. You were literally in a van driving around like these guys. Yeah, this, 
I gotta compliment this movie on a thing I didn't expect to be <laughs> so blown away with. This is the most realistic portrayal of what it's like being in a punk DIY band in this age. Like, it's always so much bullshit. Like, we won a battle of a band, and some guy approached us after the show, and he's our manager, and booking us hotel tours, and we're punks, and we're crazy. You know, this is the most realistic portrayal I've ever seen of it. I, it was so refreshing, Brett. I wasn't pissed <laughs> off and be like, okay, I get it, movie. Like, I'm like, this is real. <laughs> like, this is one legit good. I was going to ask you what you thought about it. Because you kind of, like you said, you lived this lifestyle in a punk band. So I was like, how close did they get? Because from an outsider looking in, someone who just went to punk shows, and most of the time blacked out during them, so I don't even remember the goddamn punk shows from my youth. Um, it's like, oh, they looks like it's real. But I have no idea of knowing, because I always wanted to be in a punk band. I even started playing bass, which I thought, like, Sid Vicious was a bass player. He couldn't no, even play bass. <laughs> he was on heroin. I'm not on heroin, so I got to step up on him, and I could not I could never get in a band. Well, like, you can even ask, like, Razor Rob, like, who's been on this show. Like, it's yeah. legit. This is, you. I've been sleeping on strangers' ba- floors who book the show, and like, yeah, you can crash at our place for the night. I've had to sleep in the van at rest stops or Walmart parking lots or on the side. Like, it's this is very realistic what it's like. I've been the guy who's put bands up and been the one who's done it. I've played shitty, sketchy shows where I'm like, oh, this isn't right. The one where I was already on board, like, watching this movie, but there's one scene specifically that I'm like, oh, fuck, you got it, is where, like, <laughs> well, the show dropped, but I got you guys something else. And they're a hardcore punk band playing at a Mexican restaurant just during the day. Dude, I played a St. Patrick's Day show when I was in He Hate Me at this, like, restaurant. He did kegs and eggs earlier that day, but it was just a restaurant or bar restaurant. And I'm standing up there like we were that type of band, like, playing. And, like, people are sitting down, like, eating their dinner and shit. <laughs> and it's always the most awkward, like, fuck, this is where we're playing. Is it, it got it so spot on. It was perfect. It's the bad version of the Denny's Grand Slam of like, what's the fuck up, Denny's? <laughs> oh, dude, I would have sold my left nut to play the Denny's show. That looked wild. Oh, real quick, because I don't know whenever we will be able to bring this up. You know about the Grinnies damn Denny's Grand Slam, of course. Did you see the new footage that just recently came out? Yeah, of it? Someone had a random different angle of it, yes. Yeah, I saw that, and it was like a holy shit moment. It was like the Sapruder film, but from a different angle, and we see who did it. And I was like, holy shit, it's brand new footage of the Denny's show? (laughs) (laughs) They had no idea how legendary that was going to be. Oh, no way. They're probably, they all have normal jobs. Like, no one even remembers being in a band anymore. (laughs) All right, let's get into this thing. It's Green Room from 2015, rated R, written and directed by Jeremy Solnier, I believe. I hope. Yeah, there is another movie that he had done called The Blue Ruin that I've heard good things about, but I've never seen. So that's one I want to check out. So is his thing just put a color and a noun together? That's how he titles his movies? Oh, yeah, I like it. Hey, green, I like green a lot, so sure. Okay. So it starts out with this band in the van waking up in a cornfield, <laughs> like barely in it, but they drove off the road because the one guy fell asleep driving that night and, of course, left the engine running and now they're out of gas. Which is hilarious of like, he just wakes up and it's just like, oh shit. And the radio's still playing. So they're like, okay, well, the battery still works. And everyone else wakes up and is like, 
yeah, you fucked up, didn't you? And the van ran all night, so like you said, we're out of gas, so now we have to go siphon gas. With, like, at first it was, um, fuck, I forget what the, um, director's name is, but he did, like... Jeremy Solnier. Yeah, um, but there's a different director. He, he did, oh. like, a movie with a, um, it's a stop-motion movie with a fox, and there's one oh, that Edward Norton's the Fantastic in. Mr. Fox? Yeah, that director. I don't know who it is either. I don't know either. But it's reminded me of that kind of movie of like a mid 2000s like hipster movie of they're riding on the bike. <laughs> it's not Guillermo, is it? No. Or Wes Anderson? I don't know. Maybe Wes Who's Anderson. It? I think Who's it's a hipster Wes Anderson. Movie? Oh, it's Wes Anderson. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> but they check uh, like their maps on their phone. Like, okay, there's a skating rink nearby. There'll be cars parked there. They're like, Ice skating or roller skating? Hockey players can be mean. I'm like, what? And then they go, and they ride their bike and go siphon gas for the van. It's like, they have hockey sticks. (laughs) (laughs) They get to the place they're crashing at before the show, and they're doing an interview, and this thing is brought up about their desert island band. Well, I enjoy this guy that is putting them up for the night, where he's doing the interview with them as well. Of They pull up, and the one uh, guy in the band goes, yeah, he's legit. It's like, why? Just because he has a mohawk? <laughs> no, he was going through his records. Oh, okay. When he, said it. He, was, he was flipping through his record collection. Yeah, I just love that. It's like, yeah, this guy's really legit. Just like, yeah, why? Because he has hair, hair gel? <laughs> <laughs> he had a solid Liberty Spike mohawk, though. I've, I had a mohawk for a while, and then that's when I discovered I had a bald spot. Because I was like, why is my mohawk dip in the middle? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so they're being interviewed by him. He has like a small time radio show and he brings up the concept of the Desert Island band to to them, which if they went to a Desert Island, what's the one artist? I don't think the people in the band, but that you could listen to forever. And they all name very like respectable punk bands and stuff like that. And not we'll find out what they would really take for most of them. Did you catch the one guy said the misfit? He's like the misfits. No, the damned. No, the misfits. And the one guy was like Black Sabbath, and uh, Anton Yelnich will not answer. Yeah, that's a theme throughout the movie, too. I also liked when he gets back from work. He goes, let me guess, you were the first to fall asleep because the guy's face is all drawn all over. <laughs> Which was funny. The original show, though, they're like, okay, is this going to air before the show? Should we plug it? He paused the interview like, yeah, about that. <laughs> this is where we get the... The show canceled, but he got him something else, and this is them playing in the Mexican restaurant. Because they mentioned, they're like, we drive 90 miles out of our way to do this. Like, the tour's done now. Like, all of our money's gone. We were planning on making money from here to keep going. Dude, that's a legit thing. Like, you show up, like, oh, we'll do a door deal with you. And then, like, five people come through the door, and you split it. I'm like, oh, thanks. Well, that's why it's also like, if you're going to a local punk show or a local show, don't be like, I know the band and get in for free. Pay the $5. That means a lot. If it's local, I don't care. You drove, pay for the band. But they get, after the Mexican show, they get paid $20 total. Like, split between them. But they did get lunch. So, not all in all bad. They're like, it's $6 each. And the guy's like, it's like six eighty nine. And the <laughs> one dude, like the big, like tough guy, I'm, I think he's the lead singer. I'm uh, shaky on who's who in the band. I believe his name's Tiger, they call him. He puts him in like a headlock. He's like, I got you another show. I'm sorry. 
And he's like, I'll get you another show tomorrow. And he gives them directions. But they're totally, yeah, just don't talk politics with them. It's a more right-wing right crowd is what he tells them. I don't think he knows the extent. I think he honestly no. believes that. You know what I mean? Because he's related to one of them. Yeah, he's like, yeah, they're very, like you said, very extreme right-wing. Yeah, so he's like, I don't think he knows they're Nazis, though. I think he just yeah. thinks they're more conservative or something like that. Like, hey, just don't talk politics with them, play the show. They're going to pay you three fifty though. Exactly, and they're like, oh shit, you said money? Okay, and even they're pulling up in the van being like, we've played shows like this before to, like, basically Nazi punks of, fuck them, but let's take their money. Yeah, it's sketchy right away. You see the bumper yeah. stickers, like the white pride thing. Everyone there, a lot of them are skinheads. I don't think everyone, but a lot. And, you know, it's exactly... It almost looks like a compound when you get there, to be honest. It really does. It's like they're playing the compound right before the raid. It's like January 5th. <laughs> <laughs> but they're in there, and they're taken to the green room, and they're... And they're like looking around. There's a big Confederate flag hanging behind them and everything. And they're like, "Oh, should we be doing this?" And the one guy goes, "Oh, I got an idea." Oh, and I think it's Anton Yelnich who has the idea because he's the quiet one. He's the one that wouldn't answer the Desert Island question. You know, oh, that's Reese then. No, Pat, Pat, Pat. But yeah, he he's like, "I have an idea." And they go on stage, and he's second guessing himself. <laughs> and the girl who do you know what she's from? No. She's maybe from Arrested Development, if you ever watched that. I did, okay, yes. She looked familiar. Yeah, that's her. She goes, do it or I'm going to tell him you're Jewish when I'm on stage. It's like, fucking do it. It was your it was your idea. Don't puss out now. And they open up their sets with a cu- cover of Nazi oh. Punk's Fuck Off by the Dead Kennedys. Holy shit, which is a fuck of a song. If you're a punk fan, it's an anthem. It's like one minute long, which is like a great punk song. It's like they have a sh- song called Short Song, and it's like 20 seconds, and all they say is short song. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a solid cover. Sounds good. Yeah. But, of course, they get the reaction you'd expect. Some of the more militant of the crowd leaves. A few things are thrown at them. They're sped at and they take off. The especially noted the second band who was out there left yes. after they were playing. Um, after that, they go into their things. Like, that was a cover song, and then they go into their stuff. And I guess they win some of the crowd over because people are pitting and everything for them. Well, it seems like there are the extreme ones that are like, "Fuck this! This is against what we think." And the other ones are like, "Okay, come on, we get it." And then they start playing like actual, just like punk songs. They're like, "Okay, now we like it." Yeah, they play their own stuff then. Yeah, it's... Yeah. What did you think of the strange choice when they start their next song? You get, like, a couple seconds of, like, the song, and then it gets this weird, like, score orchestral-type music to the the slow-motion circle pit and everything. Yeah, I kind of said, yeah, just kind of play... It'd be more raw and gritty like the whole movie is. Yeah, it's an interesting choice. I don't know if I liked it or disliked it. Right, yeah, I get what you mean. But... Their set's over, they're in the green green room packing up and everything. Well, they're not there, they're grabbing their stuff from the hallway, and the girl whose name is... I have it written down here. Sam! (laughs) She's like, oh shit, I forgot my phone. Maybe from Arrested Development. Yes. She goes back in and walks in on a fucking murder scene. 
Yeah, and well, no, uh, she says, I forgot my phone, then Anton Yelnich, I believe, walks in and is the one that finds it because he's oh, very yeah. much like, oh, I'm sorry. At first, he's just very like, oh, I didn't see anything. I apologize for interrupting your murder. <laughs> yeah, so holy shit, dude. Can you imagine a worse scenario to walk oh. in on? This makes me think of like walking into the anvil. And I'm like, oh shit, let's go to the bathroom real quick. And you like walk in and the bartender and that one other guy I remember seeing there all the time with all the face tattoos, like is standing over someone murdered and they all look up at me and I'm like, uh, I'm just here to see he hate me. Like I have a (laughs) bottle of lad upstairs. Like, please don't kill me. I just bought that. (laughs) Dude, I love that place. And so he sees the murder and instantly starts calling 911. Hi, I'd like to report a stabbing. Someone grabs the phone and hangs it up, and they're all stopped from leaving. And we get the line, we're not keeping you, from, like, the bouncer guy who helped him with loading and everything. He, his name's Gabe. He's throughout the movie. He's like, everyone calm down. We're not keeping you. We're not holding you here, but you're not allowed to leave. So, yes, you are holding them there. Yeah, there's. is he the giant guy with the gun? No, no, not him. He's the uh, one who at the end, like, is kind of let go and everything. Oh, he's also, uh, the giant guy with the gun is a character actor you see in, like, things pop up every now and then. Also, the guy at the very end, like you said, that kind of, like, just escapes, he's also another one that you see pop up all the time. The giant guy with the gun, whose character's name is Justin, I know he was in Jurassic World. I remember him from that specifically. I don't yeah. know what else, but that's where I recognize him from. Yeah, he's one of those ones that pops up, and you're like, oh, yeah, he's that big guy. <laughs> yeah. But Gabe, the one, like, kind of worker guy, is outside. Is like, he goes to the guy running door, counting the money. He goes, I need $650. Like, you already took 350 out. He goes, yeah, I need it now. And so the plan is to have two guys stab each other to make the 911 call legit. Have someone stab the other one and take the hit. And they're each getting paid after the cops show up. And they seem like they're twin brothers. They're like skinheads that are like in their, they're like teenagers. They're like, yeah, we'll do it. Dude, I mean, all skinheads look the same. They're fucking nasty looking. That's not bald people. Bald people are cool. Skinheads are bad. That's the thing is because in the summer, I sweat to death. Like, I cannot stand the heat, which if you're an avid listener, you know where one time I was working on a lawnmower and I had to cancel an episode because I felt faint. <laughs> Brett was too hot to talk on a microphone. I was. He's fanning himself. He's like, oh no, I simply cannot. <laughs> so I will shave my head completely bald during the summer sometimes, but I'm always like very self-conscious about like but i'm not a skinhead everybody (laughs) (laughs) but so they go out and like the one stabs the other one and it's a short knife and they do have the line which makes perfect sense like it's under the legal limit you won't get in charge for weapon possession it just he won't press charges so you'll get off pretty free if you do get jail time we'll pay you extra for it right and then right after that goes on darcy arrives the same time the police oh. do, too. I should mention. Yes. Darcy is Patrick Stewart. Yeah, so basically a shuttlecraft lands, and Patrick Stewart <laughs> comes out in his jumpsuit. <laughs> I was so happy to see Spock. Uh, oh, fuck you. 
<laughs> no, I know his name is Picard. I'm not that bad with it. Yes. Yeah, Picard shows up, which this is 100%, because he even has a goatee. He has a beard. So this is Mirror Mirror Universe uh, Captain Picard. Oh, isn't the Mirror Universe where they're like there's the evil versions, but they have facial hair to distinguish the two? Yes. Uh, we're oh, that's Spock, perfect, then. Evil Spock has a goatee. Oh, okay, yeah, perfect. Yes. But, so he shows up, he's like, officers, I own the establishment. May I help in anything going on? He plays so well, like, he has an answer for everything. Yeah, well, he's also, it's the old man that has an answer, like you said, for everything. He's been in every situation, he knows how to play it. He kind of calms the whole situation down. They take the stab, they take the stabber and the stabby away. I think they're taking the stabby for medical treatment, and the stabber is obviously getting booked. This is an. It reminded me of Scream for half a second of just like keep off to the you know to the side, don't hit anything vital. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which we just did that, that one. Deep, man. Deep, man. <laughs> Getting woozy here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really call my dad? Back in the green room, the other band who's called Cowcatcher, they leave because they're going to go play their fucking set still. And this girl who was friends with the girl who's now dead, her name is Amber, the living one, and the other one's Emily. And she is told to stay in the room, too. Yeah, and once again, it's like, okay, no, everything's fine. Just stay here. The cops are coming. Like, they're still playing it like that. Yeah, and the band is obviously distrustful of her because she's hanging out at the fucking Nazi club. Well, of course, you're like, you're hanging out with all these Nazis, like, because she keeps trying to be a part of the gang, and they're like, we don't know you. <laughs> this does not concern you, you have no input. We don't care about you, go outside. <laughs> but Darcy and his goons are going through the band's van, and they're coming up with a plan. They find the siphoning stuff, and like, this could be useful, but we don't know why yet. <laughs> no, Patrick Stewart's going to put on a play later. He's setting up, like, a scene is basically what he's doing of like they're siphoning the gas and here's the bodies. <laughs> oh, it's genius what he comes up with. I hate yeah. to get this evil villain credit. Here's the other thing about this movie too. Usually when me and you watch horror movies, even though the villains are these terrible people, I'm like, Oh, I love Jason. Oh, yeah. Michael's so cool. Ah, oh, Victor <laughs> Crowley fucking rules. I can't get behind this one. Can't lie. No. Very smart. Can't get behind him. No, no, I'm very, like, I'm happy that there was no part of me that was like, go bold, people! <laughs> <laughs> Good, I'm glad. Like, you're right, earn those laces! <laughs> <laughs> Darcy has Justin, this big guy who has been in there with the, the van, like, that's gotten in there with the band, sorry. It's gotten tense in there a little bit, Darcy goes to the door, and he's like, Justin, give them the gun! and <laughs> The, what? Give them the guns! He does, and they obviously attack him right then, once they have the gun. And the one... Is this Anton Yelich? Yel, I can't say his fucking name, Brett. Anton Yelnich. Yelnich. Is it him who puts him in the armbar? No, it's like the lead singer guy. Of all okay. of a sudden... I guess he was a wrestler in like high school, maybe. Of It is kind of cool that they just have him be able to do that. They don't, like, set it up earlier of, like, oh, he knows karate, you know, or something. It's just like, oh, yeah, they he knows how to do this, and the rest of the band's like, yeah, of course he does. Yeah. I mean, you know, a band is a group of different people doing one thing. They all have their own backgrounds and everything. Yeah, he, Jerry only played football. <laughs> yeah, just wild, isn't it? Yeah. 
they're going through the body here, like uh, Emily, the dead girl, and they find a note on the body. The the body. Why am I talking like that? They find a note on the body that translates. What's the translation to flesh wolf or something like that? Like meat cleaver. Meat, meat wolf or flesh wolf is what the one lady says it translates to. Yeah, so I don't know what that means yet, but we will find out. They search Justin very smartly because they find out he has a box cutter in his pocket. Yeah, because they're like, take out all your stuff. And of course he has a chain wallet. He throws that out. Yes. And he has like a piece of paper. And then they're like, turn your pockets inside out. And he has a knife. They're like, see, we were right. <laughs> yeah. But then the power goes out. Boo, pitch black. Amber gives Justin, the guy they have at gunpoint, a cigarette. They're like, here, smoke this. And this is really smart. She goes, if that cherry does anything you don't like, shoot it. That's how you keep your eye on this. That's actually genius. I'm not going to lie. Very smart. And also, Big Justin seems like he's like, okay, sure, give me a cigarette. Eckerd really use a smoke right now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Like, even yeah. if you don't smoke, at that moment, you're like, yes, please. But, exactly. Like, that's pretty smart. I won't lie. Um, the power comes back on. But remember, the band was playing their show. Darcy gets on the mic. He's like, oh, it seems we tripped our main breaker. We're on the backup generator now, but we're going to have to call it for the night. He goes, I'll tell you what, like, you're like on Tuesday, come back, free drinks for everyone from like 2 to 4 or something, and everyone cheers and starts the, clearing out. The punk band at 10 Forward is like shut down, they have to go away, so the Klingons are coming, oh no. Oh no, there's the Romulans as well, like, you know, Whoopi Goldberg grabs her blaster. <laughs> Why is Whoopi Goldberg there? Because Whoopi Goldberg liked Star Trek a lot, so she was a next gen. She was the bartender. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh, okay. well, She's like a one of those um uh what are they in Marvel the celestials or whatever that la- yeah. they live forever. She's like that, yeah. but she just like she's a watcher of she just like wanders the universe and watches things and for a while she was on the Enterprise. Oh, okay. Yeah. But anyway, just in case you weren't sure he was a Nazi piece of shit, right before dismissing the crowd, he's like don't forget we have the I don't know what he calls but like the white oh. power meeting coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> It's basically that, of like, remember at 3pm we have our white is right classes. <laughs> yeah, and like, remember, it's not a party, it's a movement. And everyone's like, woo! And throws their beers up in the air, which tells you, like, these are just a bunch of drunk rednecks. They don't believe in this. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a large portion that does. Yes. And then there's, I mean, what's that saying? Like, if you invite three Nazis to your table, you now have four Nazis at your table? Look, I'm going to go the guilty by association here. Yeah, I wouldn't want a Nazi hanging around. Yeah, but most of the crowd clears out except for, like, the people who work there and are in on everything and all that stuff. And Darcy is still saying he'll let them go. He's talking them through the door, but he goes, but the problem is the police have come and gone. They will come back, but... You see, that weapon you have in there is unregistered. I'd hate for them to show up and find that. I just want that out of the picture. Yeah, then he starts swinging it of like, well, look at the situation. You're an out-of-town band. You have an unregistered weapon. There's a couple dead bodies. Like, Only we, could one. Swing, we could swing this where you're the bad people. And they're like, fuck, God damn it!" Like, <laughs> He even says, no, if... I find someone who is attending my club is now dead in the room with an out-of-town band. Am I within my rights to break in and fire to protect the rest of the people? I don't know. You tell me. And it's like, yeah. oh shit, he has us. 
Yeah, he's working up the alibi already. We're fucked. <laughs> they, they give him 30 seconds. Like, and Which they, they take more back. than 30 seconds. Oh, for sure. But I think you can tell they're moving, so it's not an actual yeah, countdown. Exactly. They put Justin back in the arm bar, and they are going to give the gun <laughs> through the door. Like, fine, but we're keeping the ammo. They did try to trade it for a cell phone smartly, but of course it didn't work. Um, It would be all more awesome if he put him in a figure four leg lock. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! He's like tapping out. He's like, no. He's doing that wrestler thing where he's like grabbing his hair, and he's like, ah. <laughs> he turns on his stomach to reverse the pressure, and then he's in pain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna give the gun back, Amber, because she's like kind of involved with these people, knows a thing or two. She's looking at the vent at the door. Like, and they start opening it to hand the gun out, and all we know is Darcy's out there. Right. As the door opens a little bit, she sees through the vent the others standing there all with red laces, and she realizes right away, she goes, close the door, they're killing us, they're killing us! And the commotion instantly sets them into attack mode. Remember, his hand was out the door holding the gun. They start fucking hacking at his hand with a machete to get the yeah. gun! It's fucked up, and, like, this movie isn't, isn't, like, extremely heavy on gore, but it does happen. And when he pulls his arm back through the door, and you see all the slices, and, like, oh, his it's wrist, hanging on by the bottom part of the skin. His wrist is almost, like, his hand is almost completely cut off. Like, his wrist is just, like, dangling for a second. It's, like, it's nauseating. I'm glad you brought up about the gore, because that's one of the things I wanted to mention. This isn't, like terrifier, you know what I mean, with someone getting sawed down right. the middle and intestinal spillage everywhere. But this is gory in a different way that we're not used to. It's very realistic gore and, like, not fun splatter, you know what I mean? No, it's, like you said, it's very, like, oh yeah, like, you, it's, the skin is peeled back and you see the muscle, which is, like, very disturbing like you don't see that all the time a lot of times it's just like oh it's red it's like no you see like sinewy things and you're like ugh. like the wrist yeah. like flops for a second and that has me done for the rest of the movie <laughs> yeah and when it happens it's not like this big build-up thing where the camera shows the person pull the machete back and come into it no it's done like in what real time would be uh especially later with like the dog attacks and the quick like shank stabbings and stuff and there's no music build, there's no quick dramatic thing. It's real-time, actual, like, physical violence score that I'm like, oh, that's not fun. No, and like you said, it's extremely quick, which just goes to show you how quick things can go wrong in this movie. Oh, exactly. But they do get the door shut. Justin lost the gun, but he wasn't letting go. And the one guy's like, no, don't worry. You held on way longer than I would have. Yeah, because he's like, I'm sorry that I didn't hang on. And Anton Yelnich is like, no, it's okay. Like, you're fine. <laughs> and during all that commotion, like when Pat's hand is nearly ch chopped off, Tiger, or whatever his name is, literally breaks Justin's arm in the ar arm bar. And it's oh, yeah. wild looking, too. At this point, he's like, we're fucking done. Like, we have, an, we have a hostage. We know he's bad. He's out to get us. He's gigantic. Like, we need to do something to, like, take him down a few notches. 
They put him in a chokehold and put him to sleep. And they're like, okay, he, there's a couple false sleeps where he comes back up to get him again. And then he's finally out. Like, okay, he's gone, right? And Amber just takes the box cutter and fucking guts him and kills him. She, she just slits up his stomach and, like, his guts fall out and all this blood. And it's just like, everyone's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Even the guy had, like, holding on to him is like, ugh. He, like, lets him go and is, like, trying to get away. I mean, what else are you going to do? Are you going to keep him yeah. in a chokehold all night? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, you would think, yeah, that's true. Like, either knock him out, or it would have been better just to suffocate him than to gut him. But he's also a Nazi, so I'm not sad. Yeah, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> but outside, Darcy's telling the Red Laces that he also refers to as true believers that this out-of-town band came in, they're in there, they killed Emily. That's a lie. And maybe yeah. Big Justin. Right. And yeah, this is, they're kind of playing off like this different skinheads off each other of like, he knows the one really likes Emily. So they send them in cause he knows he's going to be all passionate. Yeah. So he's getting his game plan for the night ready. He doesn't want them shot though. That's a big thing. He said he wants them killed, but not shot. He said stabs yeah. are okay. Try not to hit the bone. Maulings are perfectly fine. Actually ideal. Like that's what they're going for. His, like, I, yeah, it's weird how his ideas keep changing throughout the night. Of, like, okay, we're at 3 a.m. Now the plan is, who gives a shit? Let the blood fly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his plan, spoilers for the future, is to make it look like an accident where they were siphoning gas and were attacked by dogs. So that's why yeah. he doesn't want any bullet wounds in any of them. Which makes sense. I mean, I see what they mean from their point, but, yeah. And later, it looks like they have dogs eating them. Yeah, just mauling the fuck yeah. out of him. It's disturbing. Back inside, the band has noticed this, like, trap door on the bottom with light coming through. They they don't know what time of day it is, remember, too, because they're in this windowless green room the whole time. Like, I think it's sunlight, and they break through and get down there. It's not. It's fluorescent light, and it's just a random fucking heroin bunker downstairs. They're like, oh, this is what this is all about. It's not even about us or the murder. It's about the heroin is the big picture. Yeah, also when the band earlier left, Patrick Stewart gave them some heroin. Yes. I, I'm glad that I don't know. Is it called stamp bags? I, I think so, but they gave them like a, what would be like a gram of weed of just like, a, here's a quick little hit. Here's like a quick little hit of heroin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As they left. That'll come into play later. Well, they um, also say they put a certain stamp on it that will link it to a certain people that they don't like. Yeah, they use a racial slur for black people that I will not use. It's not fun. It made me sad. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear Patrick Stewart saying this. I know you're playing no. a role, dude, but I'm like, eh, not, not for me. But I not get why hard. it fits with what he is in this yeah. movie. I get it. But they find this little bunker and there's no way out from there. But... That's open now. I could just imagine this being the Sex Pistols. And, like, Sid Vicious is just like, huh? And he just slinks down there and just stays down there like, we can escape! He's like, I'm fine! He stays down there the rest of the night. Go get Nancy for me! But they realize what they have to do. They're gonna leave. Because nothing's happening. They have to go. And the, the one even has the line, maybe all of us won't die. Well, exactly. That's the thing of, like, it's a very bleak movie of, like, maybe some of us will escape. Who knows? They get out. No one's there, though. No one's watching the door. 
very true of they're all trying to do like, okay, we're on step three of the plan. Let's get out the list. Okay, now step three means, and they're all out by like the cars and stuff talking about the dogs. They're not guarding the door. Nobody's even inside. Well, they are. Someone with the dogs are inside, yes. Okay. But they're out by, like, the more stage area. Like, they're not guarding that hallway, because let them come out. Yeah, keep someone at the door, you would think. Yeah, but then they'll never open it. They need them to come out. Well, have them hide close to it. <laughs> but they come out. I love that Sam grabbed a fluorescent light tube as her weapon of choice. It reminds me of Halloween Kills. A little bit, yes. But they come out, and they're like, no one's here. But then this fucking dog runs up and just mauls one of them right in the fucking throat. And it's all meaty and nasty as it's chomping into it. I hate it so much because, you know, it's like, every time a dog runs up in this movie, you know it's bad. But for a split second, it's like, oh, he's the goodest boy. Because his ears are (laughs) flopping and he's running and he's having a good time. But then he goes after the neck and, like, rips it out and that's not good anymore. Oh, they're clearly trained to be fighting dogs and guard dogs and everything like that. I feel bad for them. They even mentioned earlier in the movie of like, well, do you want training dogs? They cost this much. Fighting dogs are going to cost you like 20 grand. They're like talking about Patrick Stewart of what uh, caliber of fighting dog he wants. Yeah. But Tiger gets out the bathroom window. Smart, but they know all the exits and there's a couple waiting there. He tumbles out and he's just stabbed a bunch of times right away and killed. Yeah. The band gets picked off pretty quick. Oh, yeah. The ones who get picked off get picked off pretty quick. And then we'll get to the end. Um, A dog grabs Amber, like, is biting her and attacking her on the stage. And Pat's are trying to fight it off. And the mic stand, which is still plugged in, falls right in front of the monitor, which you know causes fucking major feedback. And it does. And the dog runs away. Oh, yeah, it makes awesome noise. (laughs) It's what I like to describe feedback as. (laughs) Yeah, it's not awesome. It's that terrible noise. I love it. In the the right doses, it's great. Yes. Yeah, you put it right before a cool part, perfect. You just have it ringing, no. Oh, the Velvet Underground have certain songs where it's all feedback, and I'm there for it. (laughs) But our three survivors are like, fuck this, and they go back to the room. Yes, yeah, they keep running back to this room, even though, like, at some point the door gets completely kicked in. They're like, we don't care, we know this is, like, safe. (laughs) So our three survivors now are Amber, the girl who is friends with the victim who was stabbed to kick this all off, Sam, maybe, from Arrested Development, and Pat, the one who had his arm nearly hacked off. Because at the very beginning of this, Pat was the most worse off. You're thinking, like, he's going to be the first to go. Now he's the hero, he's the last one. And also, I forgot, Pat grabbed the set list during this whole feedback debacle because he saw something on it that was important. And he gets back to the room and he realizes it has the same name as what was written on this, the napkin in the girl's pocket as one of the songs. Which, to make a long story short, what this means, Emily, the girl who was killed to kick this whole scenario off, was dating this guy Dan secretly. And they were going to skip out and that song was their cue during Meat Grinder's set. That's why right. it was there and on her pocket. And they also had weapons from some of the crimes that, in, that they could use, I think, as, hey, if you come after us, we're turning this in. Right. 
Yeah, they had a plan to escape, and that's where things went wrong, and that's where our band that we've were following comes into it. Which I uh, real quick, we kind of uh, earlier when um fuck what was his name meat grinder worm it's not even cool meat worm is like he's the guy that killed the woman and he walks up to uh, one of the uh, r band members and it's like your song the second from the last song what was that called and they're like the uh, anal explosion and they're like yeah that i like that song a lot it's very heavy that's what i killed her too was like, we're never gonna play anal explosion again <laughs> Was it called Anal Explosion? No, I'm just thinking of a punk oh, okay. song. <laughs> I feel like I would remember that. <laughs> it's like relentless youth or something like it's something you would think a punk band would say. But two goons break into the room they're all in, and one of them is Dan, the one who's going to leave with Emily, and they ask about what happened, and Amber tells them, no, Worm killed her. They knew that she was going to leave, all this kind of stuff, and he believes her, and the other one goes back out and leaves. Well, there's a there's a lot of like stuff going on here at a mo- here in a minute where everything pays off, but you have to really pay attention. Of like, there's like they're like we have a plan, and now like all of a sudden these two skinheads come in. Now one of them leaves, and one of them's on their team now, and it's gets it pays it makes sense at the end, but for a minute it's weird. Yeah, because this Dan guy who's going to leave with Emily, this is Emily's best friend, realizes she's not going to lie about this. So he's going to help them get out and everything. And he was already planning to leave anyway. But the other goon goes back out and tells Darcy what happened. Dan's still in there. Darcy opens up his trunk, finds the weapon, all this stuff, pieces it all together. Well, he even mentioned something about, like, oh, little lovebirds, too bad we ended your story. <laughs> <laughs> But Dan's helping him. He's like, they don't know what I know because he has an empty shotgun and a bunch of shells behind the bar and he's loading it up. I think he knows another exit or that there are shells behind the bar. I don't know what his secret thing is because he's blasted in the face right away out of fucking nowhere with a shotgun. Poor Dan, because like you said, like he was like a horrible he was like he was on the Nazi team. He's a bad guy. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to be a good guy now. And um he's about to help and like you said he's like there's a back exit all you have to do is open the blam <laughs> yeah which never comes back into play because they don't know where it is no. yeah, blasted right upside the fucking face and pat instantly takes the machete and hacks the shooter's face like right in the throat i mean and he fires the gun up into the air doesn't Sam at this point grab a fire extinguisher and that's like her weapon for the, the whole movie? And it helps so much. Because if you spray that in someone's face, it's going to disorient them. So she disorients them and the others attack is what they're like, a lot of their plans are from now on, like here and there. And it works. Yeah, yeah she got the fire extinguisher. That's how she escaped the first round and got back to the room. Yeah. And they go out this back exit and Everyone starts shooting, and Darcy's like, stop shooting! And a dog runs up and gets Sam, and she's gone. Amber and Pat leave and get back inside. And Sam had the keys, which they were trying to get the whole time for the van. Michael Sarah will never fuck his cousin. No. (laughs) Earlier, he was telling this paintball story, uh, Pat, about, like, man, we were were playing paintball for the one guy's bachelor party, and we were getting killed because we were up against a bunch of ex-military guys, and finally we realized we had to, but he was also, like, in and out of consciousness earlier because it's right when his arm got hacked, and he didn't have time to finish the story because that's when they were making their move. It's just him and Amber left. She's like, finish the story, and basically it's like, 
You can't play war against these guys. They're too good with it. You just have to run in with some random weird bullshit, and that's the only way to survive. That's when we started winning. Fun fact, that was actually a true story from the writer, and that's why I put it in this movie. Oh, okay. That's awesome. It would make sense. Of like, I've heard stories of like, I have no idea about history and shit, but like the Revolutionary War of the British were all proper, and they'd line up and shoot and then march off, and then the next line would shoot. And like the colonists were like just behind trees, like, pew, 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 pew. Okay, yeah, fuck that. We're going guerrilla warfare on this. Like, we're not going to be all proper in our suits and like, like, fire now. (laughs) (laughs) He says we can't play real war with them. Makes sense. You just have to like almost make them be like, what the fuck is even going on? Which is what they do, and I love it so much. I love the insanity of just like acting. And completely insane. They won't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works. Oh, yeah. But back outside, Darcy gives Gabe his red laces for the first time. He's earned oh my it. God. You don't have to go in after it's, them. You're just on cleanup duty tonight. It's so cringy of like, you've earned your Nazi laces. <laughs> Which I'm so glad. I had no idea about this lace thing because I like like red and black, I think, go together really well. And I like the look of them. So I could see me getting like black like sneakers with red laces and being like this looks cool and everyone looking at me weird i think you're clear to wear red shoelaces depending on the context of what else you're wearing and everything like that okay but it's so weird how they treat red laces of almost like he got a new like medal as like a military guy (laughs) yeah i guess it's like I don't know, like their initiation or whatever. Yeah. And he also reveals that the heroin he gave to Calcatcher, he's like, we should get a new house band, get back to basics. And that he gave them tainted heroin that's going to kill him. Exactly. And you see that later, which is, I mean, uh, the one, I see the one guy dead later, but isn't the one guy just sitting there eating cereal? I think he was supposed to ensure the other one took it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Three go back in to finish it. Three of the Nazis. Gabe's going in to clean up, and the other two just kill him now. We have enough of them. Those ones can be missing. That makes sense. So we'll just need them dead, and we'll stage this with the rest of them. It's so weird of, like, this almost reminds me to go back to Scream again. Of They have this, what they think is a foolproof plan, but they do things in a little bit of a wrong order. Uh, Patrick Stewart's like, we're way, way behind schedule, we need to get this done. Because he's also worried about the corner, like, the uh, time of death, the body temperature, like, all these things that would actually be real-world things. If they stick a giant thermometer inside of a dead body, and it's like, well, the temperature's this, this is exactly when they died. Yeah. So they're like, we need to get this done now. And so they just leave a couple people behind to take care of these other two people. And they yeah, don't leave. Like, yeah, we need to get them. All the bodies have to match. And they go in and the feedbacks are scaring the dogs off again. Because they took in like, what the hell? It's not the stage there. Like, it's not coming from there. They go into the room and they had feedback set up on like this little house speaker in there. And... Pat has shaved his head. He has applied like war paint. One of them has European so- European Sun by the Velvet Underground on their phone. They're like, just put this on. It's feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, his head shaved, his face is painted. Yeah. 
He's like, ah! he's like shaking a stick. Like they have all of these weapons and they end up with like, at first I thought it was just a light fixture still, but he has like a machete actually, but he's just like, ah! and he screams and jumps down the hole. He said something about like you fashion poser punk, something like this, something about Odin, and like, yeah. like what the fuck for a second? Like they're they have him at gunpoint. Like what the hell is he doing? And he jumps down into the little bunker thing, and like there's obviously a trap, right? Because he's making all kinds of noise. Like yeah, but we have the guns. They don't. You go down. I'll stay up here. And so one goes down after him, and they forgot about Amber because well they thought she was down there she was hiding in a couch and comes up and just slits the one's throat right there which it was so cool where she comes out of the couch where like uh the one guy's down there like he jumps down and he's like I know this is a trap but like I got to go down here and do this Anton Yelnich is like hiding in the corner with the machete and he's like oh no and Amber comes out of the couch all stealth like cuz the other like Nazi guy comes back to the hole and is like I don't see him and he sees like Amber slit his throat he's like oh <laughs> it's cool though. I, I yeah. solid plan it's very and it's very like using your resources, like looking around. What do we have? We have this couch that's been in the entire movie. We see him sliding it back and forth. Yeah, exactly. It's come into play a lot. And she was also eavesdropping on him and knows they only have three shots in the shotgun. So we just need to fuck with this guy enough so he shoots three times, and we're pretty all right. Yeah, he fires up at her once, I think, and wastes one of them right then. It's like two shots left, and. <laughs> He fires wrong again, like, trying to find Pat down there. One shot left. The fight starts. They're fighting. Fires in the air. He's out of ammo. Okay, good. Pat tries getting the gun because he has the shells from the bar and loads it. But then the guy's about to shoot him and kill him. But this... Amber c- comes up behind him, has the pistol from the guy up top, and just shoots him in the side of the head. At this part, I was like, Pat, you have a machete, which is a melee weapon, a close quarters weapon just slice him in the neck with the machete don't try to load the gun and aim it at him and shoot this is gonna happen where he like you miss shoot and he gets on top of you and oh no and thank god like you said amber saves the day but you should have been working with one hand exactly so a machete is a one-handed thing (laughs) yeah true but if you're gonna be fighting the guy you'll have one hand you're swinging with this it might not end well well, you think he's going to turn around? He's caught off guard. I'm swinging the yeah. machete. I'm channeling Jason. <laughs> they come back up. They've won. And Gabe's right there cleaning. And at first I'm like, oh, fuck. They just went through all this. They had the perfect plan. But it is actually really funny where they cut back at one point of there's all this commotion going on. But he has no idea what's going on because he has the power washer out. And that's really noisy. Yeah. <laughs> he's just power washing blood. He's like, I had no idea that what they were going to do. Yeah. And they kind of hold him at gunpoint. They don't kill him. And they leave through the woods. Everyone else is already gone because this is a quick, just go and shoot the other two situation. And it's morning at this point. The sun's coming up. They're walking through the woods. And Pat does ask, like, did you see them die? And he's honest. There's like two of them. And like, okay, but they don't kill him yet. They make it to this scene. They let him go when they find the rest of them. Because they see what the crime scene they're setting up. They have the van there, and they're just telling the dogs to murder, to maul like the murdered bodies, which is just disgusting and sad. Like to see your friend just getting torn apart, their corpses, yeah. I guess. And you see the body kind of laying there for a split second, and it lo- looks like mostly a skeleton. Yeah, and they cock the gun, and they're like, tie the dog up. 
They tie it up. They have the other guy that's there with them giving them the gun. Oh, do they kill the dog? No, they don't kill the dog. They say tie okay. the dog up. Oh, okay. I thought you were about to be like, and then they shoot the dog in the head. No, they did not shoot the dog. I, mean, I guess the and, dog is a Nazi dog, and it's bad, and it like just ate a person. But there's still a tiny part of me that's like, poor pupper. But no, all, all puppers are good boys or girls. They just meet yeah. people training them. Well, that's why I, I thought at the very end of this movie, I'm like, oh, all the poor doggies. Like, if they just had a good owner, they would be good puppies. It's like I know I've known many pit bulls that are like very sweet and cuddly. Yeah, exactly. I used to have one. I loved her. She's the best oh, dog ever. She loved me. Like, every time I went over there, like, I would sit and watch, like, five hours of movies with Greg. And the entire time, she's on my lap. Oh, yeah. But they go up, and they have these two at gunpoint, and then they find Darcy. They walk them there, and Darcy turns around with the most, like, oh, you fucking idiots look on his face. Yeah, like, you let them get away. Like, you had one goddamn job. These are the idiot rednecks I'm stuck with. <laughs> this is no Starfleet. <laughs> <laughs> the dog guy, the guy who's training the dogs to kill, moves too quickly, and Amber just shoots him right away. Yeah. Which, if Pat goes, oh, okay, we're doing that? <laughs> and then they kill the other guy. And then I love this, because Darcy's idea is just turn around and walk calmly oh. away. As he he seems... He seems so like, oh, fuck you. I know you're going to kill me. I'm not even giving you the didn't. I'm just walking away. I mean, I'm well, too good for this. Well, he does pull the gun out. I think it's supposed to, like, throw him off. I was like, what are you doing? Because think, if, Brett, yeah. if you have someone at gunpoint, like, you've already just killed two people in front of this guy. You're like, he should be shaking his boots. And they don't realize he's pulling out the gun at first, I don't think. And this right, is, like, no. a, a tactic. And the person just turns around and starts walking away. What's your move? Because, like... Well, I guess I shoot him. I'm like, hey, come back. I don't want to shoot you in the back, but you're a Nazi, so I don't give a shit. Hey, you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to be doing. Right. But they shoot him, and then, like, right in the fucking head, and, like, yeah. real cool blood spurt. And again, like, real realistic looking. And he goes to shoot them, but of course he's bleeding. He misses. Because well, he gets he shot, like, twice, and he's about to, like, he pulls out, like, the giant gun that uh justin had earlier and he gets shot in the head and he like pulls the trigger and it like hits a car and it's like this huge bullet hole and you're like oh yeah those that is a big gun yeah that's that's a kill wound uh, he's yeah. gone um real quick the cow catcher band guy is shown overdosing and he's dead yes and this real sad scene of the dog who ran away from the mic feedback earlier comes oh, yeah. up and lays its head on its dead piece of shit owner, but I well, still feel bad for the dog. I really enjoy that Pat and Amber are just sitting there. They're, like, completely, like, they've gone through this whole night. They're out of it. They see the dog coming. Both of them just cock their weapons and just point it at the dog, waiting for it to do something. But it didn't, they didn't give him that, like, weird German Nazi word to, like, attack. So he just goes over and lays with his owner, which, you know, that owner's horrible. Like, it just beat him and, like, didn't do anything good to him. Those fight dogs are treated horribly but you do like you said you feel bad for the dog of like this is the best it knows oh yeah fuck the owner feel bad for the dog yeah right then pat goes they're sitting there and he goes i know it i know what it is my desert island band and amber goes tell someone who gives a shit 
and then credits. Which I'd love, because so many other movies would build that up to be the last moment. And it's some big, like, like oh my god, mind-exploding thing of, like, he finally opened up. And they're like, we don't give a shit. I did, like, right before the, the band went out for the first time, they all revealed what their real Desert Island band was. Like, yeah. um, Sam's was Simon and Garfunkel. Someone else said someone else. And then the one guy said... Someone else like, said Prince. I think mine's... Yeah, so it's like, Still the Misfits, though. Yeah, I enjoyed that, where it's like, no, I really actually just enjoy the Misfits. Which, real quick, I know this is an extremely hard question, but it's a question in the movie I have to ask. Well, I was already planning to ask you. Okay, good. Desert Island Band, what do you think? Oh, I have to go first? Yes, because I still am not completely sure. I I was thinking about this earlier, because I was planning to ask you. Yeah. And what I think it is, and this isn't, like, some bullshit punk cred thing, and they're not even my favorite band, but, like, one that could fit all moods and everything, and, like, I want something generally upbeat, you know what I mean? I don't want, like, fucking Slayer or anything like that, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I think it's gotta be the Ramones. Okay, I get that. I can see them. yeah, I, that would have to be... And like I said, I like the Ramones a lot. They're not my favorite band by any stretch. But if I'm stuck with one forever, it might be them. I don't know. You might be... You might have stolen my answer. Because the entire time throughout this movie when they were saying about that, I thought of the Misfits. But I thought you would say the Misfits. So I also was thinking about the Ramones. Well, the Misfits are my favorite band of all time. But I'm trying to think like about like just all moods and everything like that. Yeah. I'm like, maybe the Ramones... Another one that oddly jumped to mind, and again, not one of my favorite artists, like Bowie kind of jumped to mind for a quick minute, just because I think he's gone through so many phases, like, I'm like, well, this could fit anything. There's always something to fit every occasion. A little off-the-wall one that came to mind for me is Fiddler. Like, I enjoy a lot of what Fiddler has put out. I love Fiddler. Yeah. So, what's your Desert Island band, then? Uh, You're not allowed to take the remotes, they're on my island with me, sorry. I'm gonna say Fiddler then. Okay. I, I it's a kind of a weird off the wall band to say, but I've enjoyed ninety nine percent of what they've put out. So now, hopefully, we're never in a situation where we have to break out of a room. Where we're gonna die. Where we have to see if this would actually be it. So for now, that's what we're going with. Cool. All right, you ready for Count of the Dead? Let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah ah ah. All right, the Thriving Horror Count of the Dead's where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we got with Green Room? Um, God, this is a hard one because there's like a lot of like just talking and like nothing really going on. I mean, a lot going on. I really like the movie, but just like no death going on. Then there was like a lot of death and then no death. Um, I don't know. I'm going to say 13. You're going to say 13? Sure. You got it. Really? Yeah, you got it. Shit, fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I double check one. Yeah, thir- 13. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. Scout of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. In a very happy mood. <laughs> now we're getting to Brett from Dimension Z's ratings from Dimension Z. Um, so basically, I take something from the movie and I rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. I don't come up with that thing until right now. Okay, so we're going to do dogs. Okay, I like dogs. Okay, so a number one version of dog, the worst version of dog. Even though it's training and whatnot, and it depends on the environment, I'm going to say the Nazi dogs from this movie that kill 
the good people. Okay, that's fair. It, it Nazi fighting dogs. Okay. Um, a number ten dog, the best kind of dog. I'm gonna do it between two, and it's gonna be uh between Ashley with me, and I love Ashley. She's a boxador, and I love her. And I'm gonna do Alfred for you because I also love Cow Potato, and he's the cutest little guy ever. Okay. <laughs> every single and Ophelia. Every single time I come over to Greg's house, uh, Ophelia and Alfred greet me first, and they're just like, "Oh, rah, rah, and then they see it's me, and then they're all excited. <laughs> I love seeing them every single time. Good. This was a great movie. There were some like a like animal abuse things. So I'm going to take a star away for that. I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 dogs. It's a very good dog, but every once in a while it jumps up on, on the counter and steals your steak away and eats it. And But then it feels real bad and you can't really punish it because it looks so cute. It was a lot of, it was a really fun movie. I liked it a lot for a first time watch. I definitely want to almost immediately watch it again. Yeah, it was a fun time. I'm glad we got to see this. Um, also, someone, I mean, it's fucking, it's the most, the least punk rock thing to say is like, well, back in my day when I was in the punk rock community, but I was in these clubs. I know how these bands work. You were in one of these bands. You know how it works. It seemed very real. It was very gritty. It wasn't the cartoonish, over the top SLC punk, Return of the Living Dead punks. Yeah, I was legitimately blown away by that. I was not expecting this movie to hit so realistic on that stuff for the first I, time and I think anything I've seen. I love how much all of these characters don't care because no one in those punk clubs cares at all. Yeah, you're there. Like, okay, maybe they'll have a standout band here and there, but yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. But I went very close. I went just slightly higher. I went eight and a half. I don't okay. know what the rating is now. Dogs. Dogs. Dogs out of ten. Okay, very nice. So pretty much exactly what you said. Yeah. Which I like how they handled the... Anytime it's a punk rock horror movie, it's like, okay, what's going to happen here? Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, that was Green Room. I'm glad we got to mark that one off. Like, wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Neither did I. I'm glad you picked it. It's a weird movie to say enjoyed. Man, it's a fucking incredible movie. Yeah. It's a fucking downer, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a depressing movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we have October's coming up soon. It's gonna be spooky month. Oh, real quick, next week actually too is our last week of the throbbing with horror year. Oh, are we going into year three? We will after next week will be the last episode of year two. Oh, very nice. Uh, you know what that means? Throbbies are coming up. Year two throbbies. Well, yep, that's something to look forward to. Year two, th- year two throbbies are coming up, and there might be something else coming up that you could be looking forward to in the spooky months. Yeah, we have something cool. And we hope that green room has left your brain throbbing with horror. Do you like throbbing with horror? Their early shows were a little too avant-garde for me, but I hear if you follow them on the social media, they do terrific work. You should probably rate them five stars wherever you're listening to them. It makes our show a cut above the rest. Make sure you tune in next week. Wouldn't want to miss another episode, right? (laughs) Hey, Paul!